Hey, my friend, it's Julie Clough here, your life and grief coach. Welcome to the Build a Life After Loss podcast. I'm thrilled to bring you uplifting grief support and hope for rebuilding your life one small step at a time. Our mission is to offer hope, loving compassion, skilled support, and effective steps to healing after loss. Let's get started. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 151, Hope in Relationships. Last week, I told you about an event that I was involved in, and I am going to tell you this, doing that event, it's like kind of kicked me in my butt. I am, I have been so exhausted all week after that, after that long day. Uh, I got there at 9 a.m., I think we got home before 11, but it was a long, long day with a lot going on. And I have really struggled to, to recover a little bit, but I'm here. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to share with you a topic that was um, inspired by a recent question. It's a combination of a recent question and some training I did recently in the True Hope Club. And that's what inspired this episode. One of the members, Christy, sent this wonderful email a couple of weeks ago. She said, I love, with all caps, the True Hope Club so much, and I'm so grateful for it, and you as well. It is such a comforting place to go when I need support and words of love and care. Really thankful for it. Thank you, Christy. That is such a sweet, I, I just... Her whole email was just beautiful. So thank you for sending that. So let's talk about hope and relationships because it's common for relationships, our personal relationships to suffer during grief, whether that's a relationship with a spouse or a significant other or children or parents or coworkers even. It's common for our relationships to suffer because when we're in pain, that pain gets projected into a lot of areas of our life. And being aware of that and being aware of what's happening and why it's happening is crucial to restoring the hope in your relationships. I remember after uh, our kids died and we went to see this therapist, uh, I, I don't remember how long after, it was less than a month. Um, afterwards, we went to go see this therapist. And as my husband and I were meeting with him, he he said something along the lines of, you know, have like a key word that you use when you basically share that I'm not upset with you. I'm just upset. Like it's it's the accident. It's the loss that's that's creating this conflict in me that's creating this conflict in us. And he said it better than I'm saying it, but hopefully you get what I mean. We never, we never implemented that strategy. It just felt awkward to me to create this word like box. (laughs) I mean, to just create this random word that we just said when we were basically saying, please excuse my behavior. This isn't about what's going on here. This is about the pain that I'm feeling. But the idea of it is instructive. It's instructive to realize that what's really going on is the pain of the loss and the grief, not what's going on in that moment with the relationship or what we're upset about. And so that kind of overshadows 
everything. As I recognize also my past relationship pain, for example, I'm divorced from my first husband, remarried, and it's really easy to project what happened in my first marriage into my future with my current husband. Even though it's been 30 plus years ago, occasionally I still find moments where I'm thinking, wait a second, is this really clearly about what's going on right here and right now? Or is my brain trying to protect me, in quotation marks, protect me from something bad happening because of something bad that happened in the past? So it's really common for us to project into our future because our brain is trying to protect us. And it's saying, hey, remember when that bear attacked you in 2002? Well, beware because that bear might come back and attack you today. That's basically what our brain is doing. It's warning us. So it's really common for us to project pain from the past into our current relationships. And because I recognize that, I am better able to separate the experiences, clean up the pain of the past, and be more intentional about how I show up today. Now, it's not perfect. Relationships are never perfect. We are never perfect. And letting go of perfection is so healing. Just allowing ourselves to be our imperfect self. It's not that we're not trying. It's not that we don't want to create loving relationships. It's just that we're not perfect. We're never going to be perfect. The other person that we're dealing with is never going to be perfect. And letting go of the idea that if I show up perfectly, my relationships will be perfect. Letting go of that idea is essential. It's crucial. It's critical. Because when we allow ourselves to learn and grow in our relationships, we are also more loving and kinder to the people around us who are also learning and growing. When we lived in Dallas, our next door neighbor, she was a a middle school science teacher and she had a rock shop in her home. So she had this workshop where she would polish and smooth stones. I'm always fascinated by this idea. If you ever look at rough stone and then you see what people who are familiar with stones, know the possibilities, know the qualities of the stone, and they know how to polish it and smooth it and make it pretty. I love gemstones. I love stones of all kind and their beautiful colors and their beautiful patterns that are so beautifully imperfect. And I was just fascinated by the work that she did And she actually helped my daughter make this wind chime for me, which was so beautiful. And I wish I still had it. Actually, it's been a lot of years ago, but it's so common for us to project pain from the past into the future. And we are all like those rough stones and our relationships polish us. When we bump up against each other, it smooths our rough spots. It makes us better people. Being in relationships makes us better people. And I know for me, when I was experiencing the worst of my pain of grief, I just 
didn't even want to be around people. I was just so, so rough. (laughs) I felt so rough. My pain felt so rough. It felt so difficult and bumping up against other people just felt painful. It's like having a physical injury when we bump up against somebody and it hurts. And it's the same with our emotions and our physical illness, emotional, even when we are mentally taxed, it makes us tired and it makes it more difficult to show up in a relationship the way we want to. Whatever pain points were in the relationship before loss and grief will often be exaggerated in the pain of grief. So Dr. John Gottman, he's a marriage researcher, estimates that nearly 70% of all marital tensions are what he calls perpetual, which basically he's saying are unresolvable. They're just, they're perpetual arguments. They're perpetual disagreements. When my oldest son was about, gosh, he must've been eight. I remember going to bed one night and, and thinking, oh my gosh, we are having the same disagreement day after day after day. I just saw this pattern and I thought, I don't want to be in that same pattern day after day after day. I wanted to find a better solution. I wanted to find a better way of responding to him and his thoughts and feelings about this. You know, I can't even remember what it was, honestly, at the time. It was so long ago, but I just remember going to bed that night and thinking, if we're having the same arguments every day, you know, whether it was him or my other kids, if I'm having the same disagreement in the same relationships day after day or week after week or month after month, there must be a better way. And if we think about perpetual disagreements, basically it just means that we're different people with different opinions, but we can be pushed further and further apart by these unresolved disagreements. Think about a tug of war. You know, you pick up that rope on your end of the tug of war and the other person, you know, or the other group, a lot of times we play tug of war in groups, but, you know, think about you're on one end of the rope and the, the other person is on the, on the other end of the rope. And the minute they start pulling, you start pulling, or the minute you start pulling, they start pulling. Now the rope in a tug of war keeps you the same distance apart and it just pulls one person one way or it pulls you towards that person or towards their direction. But when we feel the the tension on the rope, we start pulling the opposite direction. And that's why these unresolved conflicts make compromise more and more difficult is because every time we feel the tug of the conflict, we're picking up our end of the rope and we're tugging the other direction. And because of that, compromise becomes more and more difficult. And over time, the pain of the disagreement. So this is what I noticed with my son was that 
the pain of the disagreement became larger than the disagreement. So think about that for a minute. We might be disagreeing about something that's pretty minor, actually. But in that situation with my son, it was like, I'm the parent. I know best. You know, I was really holding on to my end of the rope, unwilling to let go of the conflict. And the pain of the disagreement became larger. It created more and more distance between us. And like I said, I can't even remember what the disagreement was about. But I do remember that I was like, oh my gosh, we're having the same conflict over and over again. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a different way. So if 70% of Dr. Gottman's example, like he, he noticed that 70% of marital tensions are perpetual. Chances are that our disagreements in many of our relationships are perpetual disagreements because we're different people with different opinions. But there's hope. That's what this podcast is all about. It's all about the hope. Remember that it's most likely Again, remembering that it's most likely just a difference of opinion. It's not a moral issue. And there are moral issues, and I get that. But chances are it's just, in in most situations, it's just a difference of an opinion. For example, this morning when I got up, I came out into my living room and my kitchen area, and I saw my husband's backpack on the island. And immediately I was like, oh my gosh, why is that backpack in the middle of the island? It it bugged me. It bugs me because I'm like, it doesn't belong there. It doesn't belong in the middle of the island. I want to come in and see my island mostly clear of clutter and things. And certainly the work backpack, this is my opinion, okay? In my opinion, the work backpack does not belong on the island, in the middle of the island. But do you see how that's just a difference of opinion? No one is being hurt by the fact that the backpack is on the island, (laughs) on the kitchen island. No one. Even if I think, I just want to get that out of there, you know, even if I think he should do things differently, he should put his backpack in his office, not in the middle of the island or in his closet or someplace, right? So again, it's just a reminder. So I was reminded that it's just a difference of opinion and that's just where he put it. And it doesn't make him bad that he did that. It doesn't make me bad that I don't want it there. It's just a difference of opinion and arguing. So here again, here's the hope remembering that arguing to change someone's opinion doesn't work. So if I go to him all grumpy and go, the backpack does not belong on the Island. Never put the backpack on the Island. That is not helping. So remembering these couple of things can be super helpful. Stephen Covey said, seek first to understand, then to be understood. So how can we seek to understand? 
And, and the question that came to my mind is, do, do I want to be right or do I want to be loving? Do I want to be right or do I want to be loving? And so as I seek to understand, I can then be more loving because I'm in a place of putting myself in the position of the other person. Now, all of this is made more challenging by the pain of grief. It just is. But these are little reminders that difference is generally a difference of opinion, that we're more triggered because we are in pain, that arguing doesn't change someone's opinion or make things different or better, that if we first seek to understand and we put ourselves, we use our empathy to put ourselves in the position of the other person and seek to understand them, then we are in a position to be more creative in finding a better solution, a mutually agreeable solution, finding ways that work for both people. And it does require compromise. But if we're in the constant tug of war, it's very difficult to come together for compromise. All right, you guys, I remember how hard and lonely my journey was through grief after my divorce, after my brother died, and then after my kids died. Uh, It was so hard and I felt so alone and I wanted to give up over and over and over again. And it's why I'm here because I want to share with you what I learned in the process. I want you to feel less alone. I want you to, to feel that you have tools and skills. So if you're enjoying the podcast, and I'm so grateful you're here, you are going to love the True Hope Club. Because there I walk you through specific tools of grief recovery, and I give you an opportunity to be coached. You can be coached anonymously, or you can be coached on a group call. And for a limited time, you can get in for two weeks free at buildalifeafterloss.com slash join. There is no risk. Join us today, and I'll be there with you every step of the way. Love you. Bye.